Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Have you ever wondered to yourself, what does it truly mean to live out authenticity? What does it really mean to be the authentic version of you and be unashamed of that, to be courageously who you are no matter what? Is that a good thing, do you think? My guest today is Ritu Basin. She's an award-winning speaker, consultant, author, and internationally recognized expert in diversity, equality, and inclusion, DEI, authentic leadership, anti-racism, and personal empowerment for people from equity-seeking communities. Sorry, As founder and president of Basing Consulting, Inc., Ritu has worked with hundreds of top organizations and senior leadership teams around the world, and as a professional speaker, she has presented to hundreds of, of thousands of people globally. Ritu is also a certified cultural competence coach and a certified neurostrategies coach who has personally coached over a thousand people. Ritu's first book, the Amazon bestseller, The Authenticity Principle, Resist Conformity, Embrace Differences and Transform How You Live, Work and Lead, was released all the way back in 2017. She's currently in the process of releasing her uh, second book, which will come out in 2023. Ritu has won numerous awards and distinctions for her work and has and she regularly appears on national television, radio in the US and Canada, among other uh, media conglomerates, uh, talking about leadership, inclusion, authenticity, anti-racism, and personal empowerment. And basically, Ritu encourages people to courageously stand in your own power. And she we dive into that during our conversation uh, for you guys today. And I hope that if you are struggling to 
sort of find your place or really know what it's like to be who you really are without judgment, without ridicule, then I hope that this conversation is going to be somewhat of a help to you and uh, and also help you uh, see that you can courageously live who you were made to be, essentially. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Ritu Basin. Thank you so much, Jay, for having me. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you here. Apologies if I butchered the introduction. I know there's a lot of things there and tongue twisters for myself. Great to roll it off the tongue. <laughs> off the you know tongue. what's really interesting? So, so I'm a professional speaker at, in addition to doing the consulting advisory work. So people introduce me all the time. And where they get really hung up on is my name, like Ritu Basin, because my parents are from India. They immigrated to Canada, which is where I live now over 50 years ago. And so I think, but I go by the, the Indian pronunciation, so Ritu Basin. So people get really nervous about saying Ritu Basin. But where people struggle the most, they nail my name, is it's so hard for them to say the authenticity principle. So my book is called The Authenticity Principle. Yep. I was like, I mean, like, it's like authenticity. It's like not hard to say, but ev- almost every introduction, I'm not joking, Jay. I'm not, I'm not just saying this to make you feel better. People cannot say the authenticity principle. So it's, it's fascinating. I think my brain was more focused on getting your name correct. And then when it came to it. saying authenticity, see, I can say it now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I put pressure on myself to say authenticity and I yes. usually don't have that issue. But Well, <laughs> but you know, this, yeah. I mean, if you look at decision-making biases, so which is what I do for a living in the context of my work, it's like the brain and neuroscience, the brain is such a fascinating machine. Like I often call it a tricky beast where it's like, if we tell our brains, for example, I must pronounce Rithubasin correctly. I must pronounce Rithubasin correctly. That'll happen. But then we're so nervous and worked up. We're like, we're our, our nervous system activates. We're into like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, for example. We're not using our best capacity of our, of our executive brain functioning. We're also into stress act- activation. So we are going to more likely stumble and make mistakes, maybe not on the initial phrasing, but it will happen. And it's fascinating. And this is why it's so important that we engage in like self-coaching and practices of affirmations, breathe, breath work and more to like calm ourselves in like difficult moments because we set ourselves up to like fall. You must find it interesting though when you do have someone else introduce you whether or not you're actually sitting there thinking to yourself, okay, is this person going to get my name right and authenticity principle correct at the same time? Do you ever have that inclination? Uh, You know, I'm surprised every time they stumble on the authenticity principle and then I'm reminded that it's a thing. (laughs) But you know, actually what happens to me during introductions, so I mentioned like I grew up with immigrant parents and my and were from Indian culture. So in my culture, which is very group focused and high hierarchy, so it's like lots of uh, emphasis on the collective, the we, not the I, a lot of deference. It's like having people talk openly about you and and 
sing your praises is outside of what we normally do because we really value humility and humility looks like not talking about yourself. So me introducing myself as hell on wheels. Like when someone says to me, okay, Ruthie, we're just like going to have you introduce yourself. I'm like, please don't, please don't do that. Cause for me to talk about what makes me amazing, like I know what makes me amazing. It's taken me a lot of therapy to get there, but like for me to talk about it, nah, no, thank you. But even hearing someone introduce me and adding in what makes me amazing, like it's, I'm like, I have a few things happen. I, I, I get shy. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, it just, it's, it's, it still continues to be somewhat uncomfortable for me. And then I'm like, wow, I really have done that. Like I've, I've done all that. I'm, I'm struck by it. And then I'm like, I also cycle through emotions of like, FNA. Oh, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? I, I didn't ask you that, JJ. H- how are we on cussing? Because uh, I'm a pirate. I mean, it's authentic. So by yeah, all yeah, means. Okay. Well, I mean, because of the public speaking, I know when to rate it and not. <laughs> but I was I was going to say, sometimes I'm like, fucking hey, like, good for you, Rithu. Like, you did that. So so I, 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 I'm usually not thinking about what are they going to get wrong. I'm usually like, oh, my God, that's me. Well, in all honesty, I can actually relate to that. I mean, I grew up in a conservative Christian household and being a Christian myself, it's sort of like I must decrease so he must increase. So the whole idea of creating your own bio for myself when I was doing my first book, I was like, yeah, I don't I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> like how do I distinguish between okay, who I am as a person and what people actually introduce me as versus what I've actually done. Does that really matter? Because people seem to care more about what you've done rather than who you are in the introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. You know, you know, so, because I mentioned earlier, like I, I, I talk a lot about biases in the leadership work I do in particular. Like, so I would say in, in being a speaker, being an advocate, I talk a lot about how do we live our best and import, mm-hmm. and in particular, how do we be authentic, authentic and claim belonging for ourselves? So I do that. And then what I also talk about is what happens in either workplace cultures or in society that strips, strips us of our confidence or strikes at our ability to belong. And so how do we interrupt those barriers? And a lot of it ties back to bias and like people holding unconscious and conscious biases about who they like and they don't like. And one of the things I can tell you as a woman, as a woman of color from an immigrant community is that there are so many biases coming our way around how smart we are, how competent we are, how skilled we are, especially in the workplace context. That for a lot of us, when we are speaking for the first time at a meeting in front of in front of people we don't know, or for me, for example, on a stage or now staring at a green light, let's be real, like zooming it up around the world. It's like, I know that people are going to judge me because they're going to look at me and they're going to think, like, what does she have to say about leadership that's important? Or does she have anything important to say? And on top of that, like, like she's a woman, she's of color, she looks young. And so I actually unfortunately think bios and having people introduce us and name our backgrounds and the things that we've accomplished helps to set us up for success 
because it helps to interrupt those biases around she's not going to be smart. Yeah. She's not going to be important. And I wish it wasn't needed because in my world, the world I, I, if I could wave my magic wand and create a utopia for us all, it would look like in our interaction when we meet someone, it's like I'm feeling your energy and I'm feeling your soul because that's actually really, I don't give a shit what you do for a living, how much money you have, who your friends are. Like I could, I, what your car looks like. I don't care about your Instagram account. What I care about is how do I feel in your presence? Yeah. That's the world I want. We are working towards that a lot of us, but we're not there yet. And so something as simple as an introduction, which doesn't seem like a big deal for a lot of people, for some of us really matters because if I didn't have people introduce me and talk about me, I often wonder like, would I be taken seriously? And frankly, to be candid, I have had repeated, repeatedly had people come up to me and say, wow, I, I, like, I wasn't sure. And then I read your bio and I was like, oh, okay. And then you spoke and I was like, okay, okay. Right. So it's like, it's just, it's fascinating. Isn't it fascinating? It is very fascinating. And, and something that you raised there, which I'm, I'm very curious about, have you, when people have that sort of bias towards you, you are a woman, a person of color coming from an ethnic background, that sort of thing. Have you had actual people say to you, like, what's going on? Like, you can't do this at all, like directly to your face? Or is it more, okay, I'm in this room, I feel it. I feel that tension going on. Is it yeah. that sort of thing? So it's so interesting that you asked me this, Jay, because my first book is on authenticity. And I talk all about in the book, my deep struggle to be who I am because of the racist bullying I experienced as a kid. And so from a very young age, people directly said to me, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're ugly. Like all kinds of mean, horrible things, which led me to question my abilities. When I entered the uh, workforce in my 20s, as a young brown woman, I became a lawyer. So I, I from a young age, I was like, I'm going to fight s- social inequities. This is horrible. I'm going to become a lawyer. I thought I'd work in a social justice clinic. Like, uh, like a lot of smart people who go to law school, I did well. And then I was like, oh no, I'm going to go join the corporate towers because that's where the real cool people go. And frankly, that's where like the, the salaries were astronomical. Like Growing, growing up in an immigrant household, like I made more in my first year as a lawyer than my parents did combined growing up. Like, so it was just like, so I ended up in the corporate towers. And what I found in my twenties and thirties and onwards is that the messages around, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. We question whether you're going to make it here. No one says that to you directly as a woman, as a woman of color. And, and by the way, this similar experiences are felt by people who come from the LGBTQ plus communities, like name the identity where that historically and currently experiences heightened oppression. A lot of us have this experience. So no one ever said to me directly, Oh, we, you're as a woman, we really question whether you're smart enough or as someone who's not white, like we really don't think you're going to make it here. Like no one says it directly. It's always subtle and overt like not making eye contact or speaking over me or interrupting me repeatedly or not giving me good work assignments and more. And I, I, I just finished writing my second book. It'll be out in June, 2023 on belonging. 
And in the book, it, I talk a lot about how I internalized messages that I didn't belong. And it really pushed me to give a lot of thought to these messages that I have received and continue to receive. So here I am as someone who was accomplished, successful, I'm putting this in quotes, like air quotes for those of you who are listening and all watching, successful, like on paper and all of that. But none of that matters because what matters for some is what you look like and what your identities represent in their minds. And so I repeatedly find myself in like situations, usually business, but it happens like when I'm at the airport flying to a gig or whatever, where people will be, I can tell they're disrespecting me or dishonoring me because in their brain they have, she's not worthy. She's not good enough. And it's really difficult to be in those moments. But on the other hand, I can tell you this, since they've happened enough and I have done so much self healing work and growth work, like I mentioned therapy earlier, like I've really focused on caring for my nervous system, my mental, physical, spiritual health. So I'm, I get less rattled in these moments. And more importantly, I claim my belonging. So it's like, you may not want to honor me for who I am, but I'm going to honor myself because belonging happens with me, with myself before it can happen with you. And so I'm not going to let you dishonor me. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about this and trying to engage in self-love and self-respect for this very reason, because I know that people are going to judge me. Yeah. I mean, looking at it from my perspective, completely different perspective to yours, I've still had growing up, I've still had people judge me and ridicule me. And 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 I, I think there are people out there that do that, which is wrong yeah. entirely. Yeah. And I think it's a lot worse for, or has been a lot worse in the past for people of color, especially for women too. Um, there seems to be this bias towards them. Um, and I, I'm always curious, where do you think that has come from? So I, I love this question, Jay. Like, I love it so much. So so I have two responses. One, it's a historical conditioning that's passed along generation over generation. So for example, we know that white supremacy, and when I say white supremacy, I'm not talking about the KKK here. I'm talking about the ideology or the belief that white people are better than and more deserving, more competent, et cetera, than people of color and indigenous peoples is something that was socially invented and created and conditioned from back in the 1600s, 1700s as a way to justify colonialism, enslavement, land theft, genocide, and more. So we know that this is a social construct that has then been conditioned and passed along literally generation by generation. And by the way, so is misogyny. Misogyny, uh, heterosexism, ableism, like you can name the elitism, name the area of oppression. These are social constructs that have been passed along because nowhere is it written in nature, science, the creator, like you mentioned, Christianity. I'm a Sikh. When I say Sikh, my faith is called Sikhi or Sikhism. Uh, I'm a Sikh, pronounced Sikh, not Sikh, as we decolonize language. My father was a turban beard, the full deal, and I'm a believer. And 
Like nowhere is this written anywhere that one group of people is better than another. Like this is, it, these are social uh, constructs. So that's one, one piece of my answer. But the other part of my answer that I think is so important, and again, I mentioned this in my new belonging book, based on my work and research, what I have found or what I can tell you is that when we hate on others, it's because we hate ourselves. And we learn to hate ourselves because others hate on us. And so it's this vicious cycle. When we are not whole, when we are unhealed and unwell, oftentimes, if we're not checking for it and clocking for it and doing our work, we project that hatred onto others by hating on them without recognizing or realizing that we're passing along hate to that person. That person's going to hate on themselves. And the moment you're hating on yourself, you're going to hate on others. And this is like this vicious cycle. Because here's the thing. People who are working on their healing, who feel whole, whole, who are committed to love and goodness, we hurt others too because we're human, we're fallible, like no one is perfect. But when we do that, we recognize it and we're like, oh my goodness, I got to stop. Let me make this better. And we deliberately live with intention to not do this. So people who are healthy and whole and who are working on their healing don't hurt others. And when we do, we have humility and we recognize, we apologize and work to interrupt it. So I think the, the, so what am I really saying here? I think that self-hatred is one of the most insidious things, experiences that can exist. And then the other thing I'm going to say related to this is that so many of us learn to self-hate, not as adults. It starts as children mm-hmm. and how our elders parent and care for us and how our peers treat us. But even our peers, like I think about my experiences as a survivor of traumatic, like literally traumatizing bullying, racist bullying. Those children who are hating on me at school, someone taught them how to hate because they were like kids. And so their their elders are responsible for the hate that they taught their children. So it really underscores for me the connection between self-hate and parenting and childcare and the importance of cultivating self-love. I think does that, I, that does that resonate? It makes a lot of sense to me, especially the the idea of hate being it's been around since the the dawn of time. I mean right. The, the way I see it, the moment sin entered into the world, also so did hate. And as a result, hate has just spread. But for a lot of people, they don't, some people don't even know that they hate themselves. Yes. Like, and that's the problem. Like if you don't know something, you're just going to continue to spread it. There's no awareness. Yeah. To yeah. It. So I think having a, a, an awareness and understanding that you do hate yourself in that respect. Like you, you are self-loathing. You have had these, or this baggage that has been taught to you as a kid. Because yeah, everyone's taught to hate. It's not something that we're born with. Honestly, it is something that we are taught. A lot of things we're taught and we pass it on. And as a result, yeah. people pick it up 
and they spread it. It is a vile and vicious disease and it needs to stop. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it only stops when we decide for it to stop, honestly. Yeah. We're gonna oh, make I'm so choice. with you. Yeah. You know, and, and so, but the, here's the thing, and I'm sure this will, this will connect with you and, and to everyone joining us today, that <sighs> living with intention is probably one of the hardest things to do. Like living in a, in a way in which we are constantly thinking to ourselves about things like this. How will these words impact you? How will my energy affect your day? Yeah. How will my body language fuck up your chi? Like all of this, like the, the tuning in and being so intentional, that's really hard. And then doing our work is really hard. And I think that I, I call it like living with consciousness, the critical consciousness. My life is made so much harder in many respects by the fact that I'm governed by critical consciousness and goodness at the end of the day. Because I have to constantly be in my head around like, did I say the right thing? Oh, fuck, I didn't. Now I should apologize. And um, Or how is this going to land? Or I'm a really direct communicator. I don't know if you picked that up, but I am really direct. And I constantly, and I'm direct for Indian culture, like as a brown girl, as a Canadian, like influenced by British culture, like Canadians, very, it's a colony influenced by um, British culture. I'm very direct for Canadian culture. Americans love me because I'm so direct. Woo, good times. Anyhow, so I constantly am in my head, like someone will say something and the, my answer will be like, no, or that's stupid. And I'm like, you can't say that, Ritu. Like you can't, like you could hurt someone's feelings. So then I'm like backpedaling in my mind or, okay, how am I going to put it? And like, and like, they're still staring at me waiting for an answer. And this is happening like in like in two, two seconds, like literally one, two, I'm having. So it's like, it is much harder to live like that than it is to be like, just doing your thing, unfiltered, unmonitored, biased, offensive, all of that. And so living with intention is so much harder because we try to interrupt the feelings of self-hate and hating on others. However, however, what I would also throw in there, and I think this is so important, is for those of us who live like this, and I'm sure so many people do because, Jay, I know you're about this. I'm sure your listeners who are tuning in, their, their spirit is made of the same spirit or similar. It's like, you know, you know what I'm about to tell you is so true. When we do this, our lives are better. They're harder, but they're better. Why? Because our relationships are so much richer. The connections we create are so much more meaningful. It's like we live intensely, like food tastes better, like water is delicious. It's like when we love, we love with passion. When we cry, we cry with our heart and soul, like ugly crying. It's like life is just better, but it's harder and it's exhausting, but it's better, right? And so this is the thing, the dichotomy of life. And not, not a lot of people want to do what is hard and that is a problem. Like hating yes. someone else and spreading it is so much easier and to be honest, at times, if that person is not is like actually living a miserable life, it will feel good to do that. And as a result, because it's easy, because it they don't want to face up to the pain. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. 
Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. They'll continue to stay where they are, continuing to spread that hate even more. So I think you're right, living with intention and having this different perspective of I'm not going to hate, I'm, I'm going to choose to love. Love is hard. Love is difficult. It is not easy at all. I know this for a fact, but I'm going to choose it because that is the good and the right path for me to take. And it is going to spread, hopefully, to other people and it's going to make their life better. So as a, an individual that wants to help people, that is my choice to make. And I believe it all always comes down to a choice for each individual to make, but also the ones that are making the correct choice to love need to try and try and influence, because we can't change another person. We need to try and influence that person that is hating to change their ways to love and to actually work on what is hard. Because then I believe only then will we make this society a little bit better and a little bit lighter for all the craziness that is going on? Because I, I really do feel with everything that is going on in the world currently, with the amount of injustices and, and diversity, it is sad to see. But the problem is people are creating that. And it's like we've got these two sides batting against each other. There's no real love at all. It's just yeah. like I'm going to attack and attack and attack, but there's no no finding of common ground. There's no harmony there. And it's the same yeah. with relationships as well. It's the same with businesses. It's it's like how can we really, really move forward if we're just continuing both sides are just continuing to beat down on each other? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And, you know, I think about this on a very, I think about it both macro. So Jay, everything you're saying really resonates with me because my mission in life is to create a more empowered society where we, as many of us as possible, feel like we can belong and we're included. I think about this like on a micro level. For example, my partner, my spouse, I've had a really difficult year. Um, when I am stressed, I become cranky as fuck. I'm edgier. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, I'm, I know I seem like I'm like really lovely and I am like, in, like a, for example, my Instagram followers, they're always like, oh my God, you seem so lovely. I'm like, okay, let me like post some cranky shit because you should know the other side of me too. Like, let me do my best to give you my truth. And then I, poke, I post a lot of cranky shit. And then it's like, are you like, like, okay. And I'm like, I'm okay, but you have to see it all. Like whatever. Anyhow. Um, so when I'm stressed, I become cranky and I'm direct and I can be edgy. And there have been several times over the course of this year, because it's just been such a horrible year for me personally, professionally, like on so many fronts, I, with my, with my spouse, when we've been arguing, I have just 
what comes in my mind, it just, it just comes out of my mouth without reflection and it's hurtful. And I hurt him. And then upon reflection, I'm like, I feel horrible about it. I self-flog, which I know we do as humans where it's like, we feel like shit about what we've just done that we hate on ourselves and it makes it worse. So I, I decided after a bad fight a while ago that and, you know, it's also interesting, like I teach this stuff for a living. Like, and so you would think, oh, Ritu, but you mm-hmm. teach this stuff for a living. You should be perfect. Like you shouldn't be behaving like this. And it's like, no, everyone, I'm human. Yeah. And in fact, when I t- tell you that it's hard to do this and make this happen, I'm speaking from my own experiences. I know what the science says. I know what relationship psychology says. I write about this stuff and I'm telling you I'm struggling too. And so like, I just, it's like, I can tell you how hard it is because I'm struggling with it. Anyhow, so I made a commitment uh, a while ago, which I have been keeping more or less, that when in the middle of a fight, fight, I'm really going to dig deep into pausing. And in my head, I'm going to take deep breaths because I can instantly feel my nervous system catch fire. My breaths become more rapid. And I just, I can feel my blood pumping and, to calm down the nervous system. So I'm going to take some deep breaths and then I'm going to say to myself in my head, and I do this, I literally say, is that really what you want to say? Do you really want to hurt him? Uh, I think about Marianne Williamson's uh, return to love. Be love centric and how you speak to him, respond to him. And then I also lately have been doing this. It's harder to do in the moment, but if I'm like, texting or I do have a minute. I'm like, what's really happening here for him? Like, why is he upset? Where is this coming from for him? And when I put myself into his shoes, I'm like, oh, you say you're upset that I'm not cleaning the kitchen, which is a constant thing, everyone. I hate cleaning the kitchen, just so you know. But what's really happening here is you're feeling underappreciated. And so if that's the root, that is not about the kitchen. It's about your underappreciation. How should I adjust my response? And this is what it looks like to live like intentionally, right? And it, this is micro, but every d- drop in the ocean matters. Every action has a, a reaction, response. It reverberates. So it's like, this is the kind of intentionality that I think we all collectively need to start living with. Yeah. As it relates to humanity, inclusion, inequity, social justice, the environment. I mean, we could name, we, we, I could go on and on. You could go on and on and naming why this is so important. But again, it's hard. That uh, kind of reminded me of some of the conversations I've had with my girlfriend. See, I'm not the, I don't like arguments. I don't like fights or whatever but if I get riled up I get a little bit tense and I tend to run away most of the time I just like the response yeah yeah pretty much that's my natural reaction to it and my girlfriend on the other hand she's more of the passionate type so very much okay (laughs) I gotta I gotta try to calm down yeah which is not exactly easy when you're going through a difficult argument and differing of, of opinions. And I think it's always best when that is the case to take a step back 
and to try and understand where that person is coming from. Because you both got two different ideas based around a circumstance that has just transpired. And you've got to try and find that level of understanding between each other by asking questions. Okay, how do, how how am I making you feel in this moment? What is the the issue that is riling you up? How can I better understand what you're feeling right now so that I can understand it more so that we can then move forward together with grace, with empathy? Yeah, yes. The more empathy that we have within that moment, and it's not easy, by the way, like I've failed many, many times, as I'm sure you have, uh, Ritu, and, and it's like, it's painful. But when you do eventually find that common ground and you work hard to find it, you're able to move forward with that level of love and grace and understanding and, and then there comes peace, right? But that's the way I see it. And for as long as I live, I think the ability for one to be curious around these issues and around these, these whole ideas and beliefs and, and you name it, I think that creates the ability for us to be human, to be more inclusive because the moment we, we, we remove curiosity, we cease to be human. It's, it's what fundamentally makes us a human being, I believe, is the ability to question and, and to, to have conversations with people surrounding things like this. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm with you wholeheartedly. Like, I think about curiosity, it's like, I'm deeply curious. I, I mentioned earlier, it's like, I want to, I want to know about your soul. Yeah. Like when I meet someone, I'm like, I don't give a shit about what you do. Like, fine. Like, I mean, fine. It's interesting. Tell me. Great. But yeah. what I really care about is like, like when I say to someone, how are you? How was your day? How was your week? How are things? And they're like, great. Everything's great. I'm like, oh, you can't be my friend. Not because <laughs> yeah. everything's great in your life, because like, I'm, I'm happy for you, but I'm like, Tell me about your soul. Okay, so what is great? Why is it great? Okay, but what's not great? How are you feeling? Like, what is your soul saying? Like, I want to, I want to know your soul. And I think that that it comes from a place of curiosity. I think about the moments where I'm less curious or less interested. Like, why does that happen? A lot of it is about fear. It's the yep. fear of the unknown, fear of what are you going to tell me? How about this? Fear of not knowing how to respond. So how, so, so I'll share something really personal. So many years ago, so for, I was a lawyer for a few years. I practiced law, big law, woo, exciting towers. I hated it. Then I transitioned to becoming an HR leader for a global law firm. Also still in the towers, big law, woo, exciting. And then for the last, uh, I did that for 10 years. And then for the last 12 years, I've been running my DI uh, consulting firm, diversity, equity, inclusion consulting firm. And so I, when I was in an HR role, it was on the lawyer side at the law firm. And so if any uh, young lawyer, like an associate, not a partner, an associate had issues, uh, personal issues or whatever, they would, they would often come to me to share and I would have to address it. And I remember someone had experienced a death in their family, in their close family. And they came to talk to me. And it was like one of the first times I had had direct conversation with someone about them losing someone. I was younger. I think, I think I was like in my late twenties, early thirties. And I just had not had these types of conversations. I personally had had next to no experiences with loss, bereavement. And I basically fucked up the conversation. I got negative feedback. It came through my, my supervisor afterwards. Like that did not go well. 
here we are fast forward many years. My mom is essentially, she's dying. She's in palliative. Uh, she lives with Alzheimer's. Um, and oh, it makes me emotional. Oh, it's heartbreaking. First of all, let me honor that. But my ability and capacity now to talk to people who are experiencing death and loss and bereavement, grief, is like, on, it's, it's like, I'm just like, a am overflowing with the curiosity, the capacity, the empathy, compassion for it. Why? Because I'm going through it yeah. and I'm living it and I know what it's like. And so it's a good example of how lived experience can bring on curiosity, but it's also a good example of how we don't need to have lived experience to exercise empathy and compassion and even curiosity. I didn't know this back then. I know this now. And I think about like the fear of saying something wrong or offending Mm -hmm. or, or like, showing someone that I don't have intelligence in an area. Like I don't have to be smart at everything. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to be good at everything. What do I have to do so that I feel like I'm living in grace to use a a word that you've been, you've used a few times that I really love what I need to do to signal that I'm living in grace is signal to you that I care I don't have to say it right. I can apologize if I fuck up the language. If I get it wrong, I don't have to have it perfect. I just have to signal to you that I care. And that to me is what the importance of curiosity and also humility because we will get it wrong. Yeah. Life is not not easy and we make it harder for ourselves most of the time. And I want to say thank you for being vulnerable and sharing what you're going through. I mean, I can, I can understand from the aspect of losing someone and it's not an easy thing at all to go through it. So I honor your, your story there and thank you for, for being willing to share it with people um, and myself too. I mean, I think when you do go through these lived experiences, it, it does make it a bit easier to understand, but like you were saying as well, just to reiterate on it, like you don't have to go through the same experience someone else does yeah. to understand them, but no. you can always try. And I think yeah. the ability for one person to try says a great deal about them. Yeah. But if we don't try or we stop yeah. trying, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and, and, and we're going to go full circle now because watch this. That's how I feel about my name. I don't need people to nail it. I don't need people to get it hundred percent right. I just need to know that you cared and you tried because that's at the end of the day. It's, it's like, do you see me? It's like, it's what Oprah says. Do you see me? I can't remember. There's three things she says and she puts, um, says them all in a row. But the idea is like, you see me as a person and you're respecting me. You're valuing me. You're honoring me. Yeah. That's, that's what we care about. I think we are all imperfect people living in an imperfect world, trying to somewhat become these perfect beings, but we're never yeah. going to reach that level. It's not going to no. happen. So because it doesn't I, exist. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. Exist. So we're, we're trying to achieve something that is well beyond our, our capabilities to actually achieve. 
So instead of trying to reach for this lofty height that no one's ever going to achieve, no one ever will, then like you were saying, got to be grounded in humility, in that authentic humility. I think it's real. Show people who you are. And as long as you are not going out of your way to hurt somebody else or to force somebody else to do something that I don't ever want to do, then that's okay. That's my perspective at least. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. I think that like it deeply resonates with me. Well, I'm loving this conversation so far. <laughs> Bless, so not am the, I. Not the direction I thought I would take, but it's a good direction nonetheless. Um, I've got a couple more questions for you, Ritu, if that's all right with you. Yes. I saw on your Instagram, uh, Papa ba- Basin. Is that Papa right? Basin, yes. Papa Basin, My 80 year old yes. dad. Yes. He's so cool. <laughs> I got to admit, he's so cool. He's funny. Uh, he loves those Italian sandwiches, I believe. Oh my goodness. So, so can I tell you that I've, so I, I, everyone, um, so if you don't follow me on Instagram, I put up a video, actually I put up a few videos of him lately. I put up one recently of us hanging out where we went for Italian sandwiches cause he loves Italian sandwiches. There's one that I put up a few weeks ago though, where we, it was Canadian Thanksgiving. And after our Thanksgiving lunch, we went for dim sum, like very Canadian, <laughs> um, very multicultural. Uh, he, I was, he, he makes food for us. So my mom, it lives in a nursing home. My father lives in his retirement home and he, he'll make homemade Indian food like from scratch. And he gives us care packages when we see him like on weekends. And so he was pulling out my plastic bag of Tupperware containers, probably sour cream containers filled with Indian food, not Tupperware, not real Tupperware, everyone sour cream because child of immigrants, you'll understand, you know what I'm talking about. And he's giving me his bag of takeaway food. And I filmed a conversation of us. It's just him in it. And I put it up and basically it's gone viral. And what I said to my sister and like, like bazillions of people have watched it. They're following me now because of him. And I said to my sister, like literally just last night, I'm like, people don't want to see me. They just want to see dad. Like my, I think my dad literally, if I could create an account for him and put him up there, like he would go viral. Because he is he's such a zany, zingy, quirky character. And he's cute as fuck because he's like 80 years old, wears a turban, like just doing a thing, like living his best retired life as he's trying to care for my mom and be there for us. And he's just a character. Anyways, sorry, I interrupted you, but I, I had to paint the picture of my my, my dad. No, he kind of reminds me of we used to live uh, next door to an Indian family. Beautiful, yes. beautiful family. He reminds me of the the actual dad. <laughs> yeah, no, no. He, my father is literally the archetypical Indian dad, Punjabi dad. Like he's the archetypical Punjabi dad. Like, uh, except that the one thing I would say is like, he probably dresses a little bit better than a lot of like Punjabi dads. And he's got a little bit more swagger. But yeah. that's what is also so appealing about him because he's like this handsome, dapper, 80-year-old man with swagger. My dad has some swagger. What's been the the biggest lesson he's ever taught you? Ooh, that's a good one. How to be funny. Well, you know, my father, he is really witty and he is really funny. You know, from my father, I have learned about the 
Oh, I've learned so much from him. It's going to make me cry. Um, I've learned about the tremendous power of resilience. So my father essentially grew up during the decolonization of India. He was he watched partition happen, bloodshed. He immigrated first to Europe and then to Canada in the late 60s, early 70s, so over 50 years ago now, and experienced all kinds of racism because he's a, he's like six foot two, three, bright red turban usually, stood out like a sore thumb in, in Toronto at the time, struggled, like repeatedly had people tell him to cut your hair, shave your beard, not going to get a job, mocked him like daily, like he'd come home with all kinds of stories. And he persevered despite that. And he would never call himself this, but he's a feminist as much as a man of his generation can be. Like I mentioned, he's like creating care packages and giving us homemade butter chicken. Like he, in this late stage of my mom's health issues, has shown up in a way that I've never seen any man of his generation do that. And so he's, and after 49 years of being married, an arranged marriage, no less, where my mother is now living in a home and very much in the late stage of Alzheimer's. So you can imagine that he is now living alone for the first time in 49 years and having to reinvent his life or recreate a life for himself. And we deep, we were so worried about what it would look like. And he is not only persevering, he's thriving like by creating this new life for himself. And I'm just, my dad, oh, it's gonna make me cry. It is actually gonna make me cry. Um, For so long, I struggled in liking him and honoring him and accepting him because a cultural confusion and cultural clashes that we had. And, you know, I talk a lot about this in my new book coming up. I just really struggled in my relationship with him. But now I see him as this beautiful human being who I deeply honor and care for. Cause I know that the ways in which he parented that fucked me up, he was just doing his best with what he knew. And so I want to honor that. And then I'm like, it's like, good for you, dad. Good for you for being so resilient. And I think to myself, like he, all his sacrifices he made so that we could live our best. Like, oh, it's just, I'm like, that's grace. That's grace. Yeah. And so resilience, he taught me about resilience. Thank you for sharing all those things. Kind of, um, yeah, all parents are worried at first that they're going to F up their kids and they end up doing it anyway. So yeah, exactly. It, it, it happens. I mean, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things that I've had to unlearn from growing up as a young adult, being in a very strict, conservative Christian household. And then now sort of, there were many, many things we weren't allowed to do, but now I'm sort of trying to the process, right? It takes, takes a bit of time and new perspectives and understanding, but yeah, just to see the resilience on my parents' side, my dad's side, like growing up, it was not easy at all. Like tough. My dad had to work two to three jobs to put food on the table and to mm-hmm. see him because he had cancer in December of mm-hmm. last year he's cancer free now, but we made a a significant lifestyle change to move from a busy environment in Sydney up to Queensland and to see him now happy, happy as he's ever been thriving. 
I can understand. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a great thing. It really is. Um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, thank you for sharing that. My final question for you, this is my all-time all favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end of my conversations. It is a hypothetical one, but okay. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But being able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday, what do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, look at you, Jay, with all your powerful questions. You go. I get asked a lot of questions and I have not been asked these last two questions. So good for you. Curiosity. Uh, so, so number one, I want to live to a hundred. Like I want, I want to be healthy at a hundred. I don't want to like extend my life in a painful way because I'm watching, I have a front row seat to it now and no, thank you, but I would like to live to hundred. So let that happen manifest in a healthy way. I would want the film, the clip to show that I was a really kind, good person, that I did good and right in this world, that I lived with grace, and that I was authentic, and that through my actions, I helped to make other people's lives better. I just, I want to be known for goodness. Like, I care more about that than anything in this world. Like, I just... I want to be a good person. I want to do good. I want to feel good. I want my impact to be good. So my hope is that the film would showcase that. Oh, and that I was really fucking fun. Because honestly, I'm really fun. That's the other thing. Like I'm, I'm, I might be about goodness. I'm about good fun, everyone. Good fun. I, I, I deeply believe in having fun. So fun and good. I can tell. I love it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a joy and a delight for myself. I'm glad that we had this conversation, but thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you and connect with you? Oh, plus. So thank you, Jay, for having me. First of all, you can drop me a line on Instagram, Rithu underscore Basine or LinkedIn. Uh, and I have a, all kinds of great goodies and tips and resources and things that if, if what I've been saying has connected with you, check out my empowerment site at rithubasin.com and sign up for my uh, mailing list. So thank you, Jay, for having me. And thank you to all of you for joining. What a blessing. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. It's been a delight. So good. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 